Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. My name is Bella and we are here for another week, which is very exciting because, you know, we're in week three of the term. We've got two weeks left. We're over the halfway point now. Guys, I have like one, two, I have four days left of uni. How crazy is that? That's mad. I've nearly done it. I've nearly done my master's. Like, this has been a dream of mine for so long and like such a thing I really wanted to do. But the actual thought that I've actually achieved it, like I've got my bachelor's and my master's, is kind of crazy. It feels like, you know when you kind of realise that you're getting into a bit more of an adult and you kind of don't realise it until you start actually thinking about these things? Like I didn't think about the fact that I'll actually start being, like I've got my master's. I love how I'm saying I've got my master's, I haven't, I've still got like six months to go, but like... We're nearly there. And that's crazy. I remember when I started, everything felt so out of my depth. And honestly, this master's has been the best decision I've ever made. It's been everything I wanted it to be and more. I think when you're picking what you want to do and whether you're deciding whether or not you want to go into further education, it needs to be something that you really need. Like there needs to be a gap in what you have and the master's needs to fill it. I think so many people do master's just to kind of fill the time because you're scared of, you're scared of the like entering the working world you don't really know what you want to do and so a master's kind of like gives you something else to focus on whilst you kind of work it out and in a way I also didn't know what I was going to do I didn't know where I was going to go I didn't really know what exactly I enjoyed but I'm kind of through this master's it's made me realize throughout my degree I didn't really have much statistical experience whatsoever like stats I didn't really understand I didn't have much like an analysis type reporting or anything like that And this master's has really filled that gap and it's something that I wasn't aware of I was lacking before. So a kind of quick little like sidetrack. If you are thinking about doing a master's, try and pick one that addresses gaps in your kind of academic learning qualities, like things that you you don't know you're good or like you haven't experienced. It's really good to find one that kind of focuses on those parts because it gives you more of a rounded education. Also, when you're applying to jobs, you have the jobs that you need. But I am really glad I've done it. And now I'm applying for jobs. I'm seeing how much my master's has helped me, how much having that master's is enabling, like, is enabling me to like, apply for better jobs. And it gives me the experience I needed to apply for those jobs, which is making me feel like kind of relief about it. Because the master's is expensive. The master's is really expensive. It's a lot of money that I've put into this. And it's like, I really wanted it to go well. And now it is going well and I'm really enjoying it. So good week, you know? a good life choice. I am proud of myself for doing it. I've also proud of myself for pushing myself to move to London because as exciting as it was, it was scary. Like it was a jump in the deep end and I wasn't really sure whether or not, like you don't know how it's going to go, but I've honestly, I'm happy. Like I'm really happy and I'm really proud of the position that I'm in and I'm proud of the places that I've gone and the people that I've met and the kind of, like I feel like my story was kind of flopping a little bit. It wasn't really, like, it wasn't the most exciting one. I wasn't, like, I didn't really feel like I had the most, I don't know, the most exciting time. I didn't have the most exciting stories to tell. I didn't feel like I had the best, like, this solid friendship group that everyone else had. And it was something that I was craving. And I really feel like, oh, sorry, she knocked you. I really feel like by coming to London, I've managed to create that for myself. So another good life choice. You know, it's all, it is all coming together. The plan is coming together. And I think it's kind of weird. It's weird because when I look back, I in second year, I had an appointment with the careers people. And it was like, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? What do you enjoy? And there I was like, I want to go into science communication. I really enjoy communicating with people and talking to people and like teaching people and explore, like sharing knowledge. I really enjoy that. 
but I kind of forgot about it. And now when I'm applying for jobs and I'm applying for all of the science communication ones, I'm like, it really does come full circle. Like your gut knows what your gut wants you to do. Like you, you know, deep down what you want to do. And I think I tried to lie to myself for so long about different things I wanted to do and trying to, I feel like there's also this expectation of the different things you should do, the different kind of, there was an expectation. I felt like I should be a certain job role associated with my like degree that I should go into lab work. But the reality was like, it wasn't for me and I didn't enjoy it and that's okay. Just because you do one thing doesn't mean you have to stick down that path. I think it's something that I'm realizing more and more is that you don't, like it's okay to pull back from something if it's not making you happy. I used to be really kind of strict with myself and make it so I, like if I decided something, that was what I was doing. I would not abandon ship. And now I'm realising that if I'm not happy, if I'm not enjoying something, then I don't have to do it anymore. I don't have to prioritise those types of experiences in my life. It's okay to have variety. It's okay to want change. It's okay for things to be different. Because I think as you get older, you get to know yourself more. And then, of course, things are going to change. Of course, your outlook on life, your decisions, the things you want, everything is going to change. So it's totally normal that once you start this path, as you're halfway along, you don't want that anymore. And that's okay. And it's been something that, you know, when I started the master's, I had such a strong idea about what I wanted to do. And now I'm ending the master's and I'm like, I have less of a strong idea, but I definitely feel more aware of the things I don't want to do. And that is equally as important. Anyway, I feel like I didn't really get into the life update. So life update time. This week has been a good week. Like I said, I have had Louis here, which has been really, really, really lovely. He came on Monday. And what did we do on? Oh, on the weekend. On the weekend, I studied every single day for like eight hours. I had an assessment due. And so my life over the next few weeks isn't going to be that interesting. I've kind of mentally prepped for that, that it's not going to be the most fun, that it's not going to be the best, not going to be the best time. Although this weekend we are having a house party. So that's going to be really fun. That's going to be exciting. When you listen to this, I will be hungover. Um, But I am excited for that. And I feel like it's going to be a nice, a nice little like midterm midterm make me feel happy moment I was gonna say lift me up moment but I don't really feel like that makes sense but anyway on Monday we went to Ikea absolute nightmare went got loads of frames spent 50 pounds in Ikea and I can't even tell you what on I don't even feel like I got anything proper apart from pillows um got the wrong frame didn't I I got the wrong frame so now I'm having to do an online order to buy the right frame and not gonna lie it's pissed me off that really has annoyed me but Try not to let it ruin my week. Try not to let it dominate. So we're moving on from that. And then on Wednesday, I had uni and we went for a walk around like Soho. And it was just, it was lovely weather. It was really, really nice. And we got some drinks and it was just like a nice date day. I'm trying to make the most of our evenings at the moment because obviously I'm in uni all day, every day at the moment. And so I can't, I can't really do things in the day. But it's nice just being able to hang out with Like, I feel like long distance, sometimes there's a lot of pressure to do activities every single day and make the most of it because you don't get to see each other that often. But when you have, like, quite a lot of those high-pressure environments, it can make it feel quite, not forced, but kind of forced in a way because you're constantly having to do things when in reality, you just want to spend time with each other. That's all that you want to do. And so I've enjoyed having, like, 
just being able to just spend time with each other, just watching a film with my flat, just doing like nice things like that, not having to be like, okay, today we are going to Camden, tomorrow we are going to the museum, blah, 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 blah. Like, I think also there's a pressure in living in London because there's so many things to do that when people come to visit, then I think that I have to entertain them because it's London and I'm like, there is so much for us to do. But in reality, everyone's been to London so many times that I'm not like showing them. But I guess if, if it was the first time you guys came, then I would do a different type of trip. But my boyfriend's been here so many times, like his family's from London. So it's not really a, like a, you're showing me the sights, like he's been to the sights. So that's why it's been nice just have a kind of more chill time recently. And then yesterday, we again, we've done a lot of walking and kind of drinking and it's been fun. It's been nice. I love walking and then drinking outside and like picnic blanket over the Thames. That was really nice. Although there was a massive thunderstorm and it has been raining or like so intensely. So that's not that much fun. But we then, you know, with the Tesco club card vouchers, you can like boost them to pay for your Pizza Express meal. And my mum shops at Tesco. So I was like, please, can we have some vouchers? And we went to Pizza Express, we went to the one in Tower Hill, and it was so lovely. The waiter was the nicest waiter I've ever met in my entire life. My phone was dead, like, my phone was going to die, and that's how we were paying for the tickets, and he offered to charge my phone for me. He was so kind, polite, you know, it just made it a good experience, and it's made me realise how much, like, the waiter that you have dictates the, like, restaurant experience that you have. Because I know it is about the food, but it's also about feeling like comfortable and welcomed in the environment that you're in. And he made me feel so comfortable. So that was a great. Would recommend that Pizza Express. I had the goat cheese pizza. Mm. It's my favourite one. It's called, I don't know how to say it. I, do you want to know an irrational fear of mine? Pronouncing things in restaurants. No, just pronouncing things. I have certain words that really stress me out when I say them. And I don't even I don't even want to say them right now. Okay, avocado is fine, right? Guacamole, I say that weirdly. That makes me feel uncomfortable saying that word. I avoid that word at all costs. I would rather say avocado. No, I was gonna say I'd rather say avocado crush, but that would be really weird. So I wouldn't rather say that. But I just I hate that word. I hate that word. And this is another one. It was called like. Do I say the Padana pizza? The Padana pizza? Like, what would an Italian say? The Padana. Padana. But Padana in a northern accent just sounds weird. Just sounds like, would you like a Padana, love? That was a shit northern accent as well. Padana, no. I, I can't say it any more times. It's sounding weird. But I had that one. It has goat's cheese, caramelised onions, spinach on it. Mm-hmm. Delicious. Absolutely delicious. And then... My boyfriend had a prawn pizza and not going to lie, judged him for that. I think that was a poor life choice. I, mm, that texture of a prawn on a pizza feels very wrong for me in my mouth. You know, I don't know if I like prawns. I just, I feel, it's the texture for me. It kind of feels like, like poppy. Do you know what I mean? Like you're biting it and it's a bit popping in your mouth. Mm, No, thank you. Another thing I don't like, mussels. I've spoken about this before, but I just can't eat them. I just can't. I love the idea of them, and I love the sauce that they're in. And every time I order them, the idea of it is so much better than the reality. And it arrives, and I'm like, I really want to make myself like it, but I just don't. And I need to realise this. I've realised this a lot with foods. I like the ideas of food, but I don't necessarily like the food itself. And that's an issue, you know? That's not... 
how it should be. I need to actually enjoy the food. I need to enjoy the eating experience. But we move. It's just one of those things. And maybe I will grow out of it. I don't really think there's anything I won't don't. You know, the only things I don't like, brown British food. Not talking oven food. Shepherd's pie. I hate pies. Pies, absolutely disgusting. I also, I find I, I get weird about eating meats and fish. When I was a kid, I used to have this thing. When I, this is so weird. When I would eat a piece of fish, in my brain, like a tropical sea would appear and fish would just be darting in and out and I'd like be thinking very consciously about what I was eating and it would make me feel so sick. I thought I was going to throw up. So, but I am better at eating fish now and eating chicken. I like chicken. I love how sometimes I call myself a vegetarian. I'm literally just not. Like, I am not at all. I have no claim to that title. Even pescatarian. I can't even say that. I'm not a big burger person. I don't really like meat. I think because I'm not used to having it when I was a kid. So, oh, I hate pork. Any other things you guys need to know about my eating requirements? No, I think that's it. I think that's everything. But, as I said, party this weekend. I'm thinking about what I'm going to wear. And I think I'm going to wear... I have these, like, satin wide leg trousers that I forgot how lovely they were. I got them on the first... I wore them for my best friend's birthday when I met my current boyfriend, and I haven't worn them since. So I was like, you know what? Three years later, it's probably time to rewear that outfit. I have such a thing about rewearing outfits, and it needs to leave, because I don't have enough money to fund that type of lifestyle. Um, so I'm going to wear that, and I think with, like, a black boob tube, and then... Maybe like really colourful eyeshadow, like maybe blue or pink or depends what my housemates are wearing because I might match my eyeshadow to theirs. Oh, what Louis wearing? I think he's wearing more silver, so I can't really do silver eyeshadow. Okay, no, silver washes me out, so that's not going to happen. So I might wear that or I have a knitted skirt, which I got in a charity shop and it's, I've realised so many of my clothes are from charity shops now. So many of my favourite clothes are from charity shops anyway. Um, but it's like a knitted skirt and it has a mini skirt underneath and like a high slit. It's incredible and it fits me really well. So I'm going to wear that. That I could wear that tomorrow, but we're having a surprise thing on Monday because it's my housemate's birthday. Um, so I could wear it then. Undecided. I will update you all on my outfit choices closer to the time. I say close to the time. This is literally tomorrow, so I probably won't. But you guys know the vision now. You'll see the photos anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but this week we are talking about the things that make you a good person. Hi, life. No, me and Louis saw it. I mean, me and Louis were chatting about it last night, and it was he says he had a really good word for it. He was like, not. A high value lifestyle, like the values that you need to have to live a good lifestyle. Not that you need to have, but I just think they're characteristics in people that make me really love them. And since I've noted all of these down, I've really been trying to incorporate them into my everyday life because I feel like I can't be the only one who absolutely loves these things about people. Like they're just things that I think are good, like they make good people. And when I met that waiter last night, it made me think even more about the things like, there are definite traits that you can incorporate into your character, little things that make you so much more attractive to be around. And I don't mean attractive physically, I just mean your character in itself. But anyway, on to the content part for this week's podcast. So as I said, today we are talking about things that make you attractive as a person. The things that I just think you can incorporate into your daily life that make you 
just really lovely to be around. My friends, I've noticed, have these characters. And when someone does these little things, it just makes me so much happier. And that's why I think it's important to take note of the things that people do that you really like, because then you can start to make note of it and put it in your life. So before you listen to the episode, I want you to like quickly pause, get up your notes app, write down three things, three tiny little things. They don't have to be massive that people do that when they do them, you think, I really like you. I want to like, I want to hang out again. Like this is a good person, good person vibes. Okay. Hopefully by the time you come back to this point, I'm going to give you two seconds. One, two, By the time you are back here, hopefully you press pause. I think one of the first things that I think you can incorporate into your character and your personality to make yourself more attractive to be around, and I don't mean attractive in the way of like love and wanting to get with people, I mean like attractive as a friend, like attractive human qualities about yourself. And I think one of the first places that you can make this is the first impression. I think the first impression you have with someone is so important and it's such a thing that dictates the rest of the relationship because when they look back that's the point that your relationship began I think it's really important to get it right and after meeting so many different types of people the thing that's really really like stuck in my brain about when I've met different people's friends it's like if I meet someone who means a lot to someone else it's introducing yourself and it's saying like oh I've heard so much about you, it's really lovely to properly meet you. It's making like a genuine introduction. I think a lot of the things I've written down are things that make you feel more genuine genuine as a person, things that make you feel more more human. And I think this is the thing, when you have that introduction and you make it more of a genuine, it's not just like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. You make it more of a... Because if it's someone's best friend and you're meeting them and you're also their best friend, you will have heard so much about them. And I think that's a really lovely introduction. And it doesn't always have to be, oh, it's really nice to meet you or I've heard so much about you. It can just be really nice to make that more genuine. And I think the ways you can make that more genuine as well is mentioning their name. Like if you know their name before you've met them, if you know who they are, then don't act like you don't, unless it's weird and creepy and you've stalked them on Instagram. But it's really nice to be able to remember people's names and like names to faces and have a bit more of a deeper discussion about it. Because I feel like the people that I've met who have then remembered my name the next time I've met them, that's made me feel so much it's just made me really like value the relationship more because I've thought, oh they've really made an effort to get to know me, they've really made an effort to get to remember who I was. It, you, know, you can say hello to anyone and it's easy to forget people's names and I forget people's names all the time. But remembering people's names when you meet them and having a genuine introduction just makes that really solid introduction part. It just makes it better. I think it makes it more valuable. I think it makes it, it makes you feel more connected. I think a lot of the things that make you more attractive as a personality are the things that remind you that you're human and make you feel more interconnected with others. I think if you make effort to make that connection really good, then you're going to get a lot out of the interactions and people are going to want to value you more as a person. So first things first, make that introduction good. Make that introduction good. If you've met them before, then remember their name, okay? It's not hard. You can remind yourself before. Ask the person next to you if you don't. Like, if it's your, if you're with, with your, uh, if you're with your best mate and they know who they are, there's no shame like, oh, is that blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, it's lovely to meet you. Blah. Did you know? Or it's lovely to see you again. Or I've heard so much about you. Like you I mean so much to, I don't know, Emily or Zara or whatever name. I don't know. Like you mean so much to blah, blah. It's really lovely to get to meet you. And I think making that interaction really genuine is important. I think the next stages, 
I think it all goes in terms of meeting people and the conversations that you have, because that's when you make a good impression. So right now you've made a good impression. You've remembered their name. You've introduced yourself nicely. You've made that eye contact. That eye contact is so important. And also maintaining all of your focus on them whilst you're introducing yourself. Don't check your phone. Don't go anywhere near your phone. Don't touch your phone. You don't need to check it right now. I know you're nervous and I know it's socially awkward and you feel like you want to be on your phone because it's a safety net, but it's rude. You're talking to someone now. No phones allowed. It's rude. It's a pet peeve of mine. Me and my housemates were talking about this actually. Like when you arrange to go and meet up with someone and then they're literally on their phone the entire time, that's not that's not a fun experience for anyone. And it just makes you feel awkward because you're you're meant to be having like a really you're meant to be spending time with each other and it just makes them feel like they don't want to be there. So when you're meeting people, when you're trying to make a good impression, another thing that also makes you attractive as a person is not constantly going on your phone. I understand that we all go on our phone in like downtime. Like I do it as well. I go when I'm around my housemates because I'm literally with them all the time. But I think when you are around people and you're actually having a social interaction, like, I don't know, we're going to the pub tonight. I don't want to be on my phone the entire time whilst I'm there. That's rude. And you're not going to do that. It's really rude. And I think that's another thing that people are kind of, people are unaware of because it's so easy to go on your phone when you're trying to take pictures of things, when you're trying to update your B-reel, when you're trying to do all of these different things about your character, about your, I mean, social media presence, you're trying to keep it up to date and everything. But in doing that, when you do check social media, you unintentionally check everything else too. And you can end up being on your phone for like quite a long time. And it can end up just being a bit like, what are you doing? It's just so easy to get like distracted by it. So phones off at all times eye contact essential make sure you remember their name after they tell you and warm introduction next thing one of my favorite things is when people remember little things that i've told them about or little things that other people have told them about me and they ask me questions about it because i think it shows that you're really genuinely interested in what's going on and i think that's so important when you're meeting someone for the first time and you're trying to make a good impression showing that you're a genuine person who remembers things about them makes people feel special and I think so often we just ask like the surface level questions. Oh, how are you? How's work? Blah, blah, blah. When you, if you don't know that much about them, then those questions are fine because you're getting to learn, you're remembering things about them. You're getting to know them. But once you've met someone once or twice, you'll have got a few key bits of information. They'll have told you about a dinner they were going to or friends they were visiting or a plan that they have for the future. They will have told you about that. And I think it's really lovely to ask, check up on that. And it sounds just like basic conversational skills. But I think so many people forget to do it. And it's not just asking the blatant, obvious questions, the little questions, the follow-up questions. Having a genuine interest in others, I think, is a really important quality to have. And it makes people want to be around you because it shows that you really care about them. And I think so often I overhear conversations and I'm like, it doesn't even sound like either of you want to be there. It doesn't sound like you guys are that excited to talk to each other. It doesn't sound like you even know that much about each other. And I think, I know everyone says like, it's small talk. I hate small talk. I want to have the deep conversations and everything. But realistically, sometimes it's, you can't just jump into those conversations. It's sometimes a bit heavy or you don't really know how to get into it. And so I think the initial small talk can be made so much more interesting when you make it more genuine when you ask them properly about their life and listen to the answer. So often people ask questions and they don't listen to the answer. And I think you can really tell when someone switches off in a conversation. I'm guilty of this. Like having ADHD, I'm, it's a nightmare. But I know it's rude and now I'm very conscious of it and I make sure that I don't do it because it's something that can really distract from people and 
can make you seem really just not that great, you know, you're trying to make a good impression, it doesn't really work. So this has been something that I'm more aware of now is definitely trying to make sure that I clock into the answer and ask follow up questions, like show you're engaged with something. I think those are the really important things. And it again, makes you feel more genuine, shows that you have a proper interest in someone. And I think that's the thing that's important. When you're trying to make a good first impression, things I think make people attractive as people is when people are genuine, when they want to see you, when they're actually interested. And I think this next comes, like, it brings me to the next point nicely, which is people who are, who send you a message after you've met them to say how lovely the experience was. When I get messages from you guys about listening to the podcast, about how much you liked it, it makes my day. It makes my day. I tell so many people about it. It honestly makes me so happy to read them. So if you get that every single time, if you, not every single time, but if you meet someone for coffee and then you message them afterwards saying it was really lovely to catch up, I can't wait to see you soon, it takes you 30 seconds. But again, it shows that you're like genuinely interested in being their friend, that you want to be there for them, that you actually enjoyed their company. And I think it's something that makes me feel more grateful for the experience, makes me feel more connected to the person and more likely to arrange something up again. And it's easy to forget and I've done it. Like, I haven't done it recently, and I've been. It was actually like my New Year's resolution was to like send more of these messages, be more appreciative for the people around me. And I think when you're getting to know someone, that can be like a really lovely, a really nice touch, you know? It ends the interaction on like a sweet note. I feel like it ends it in a very like happy place, and it makes you excited to meet up again. And it also kind of rounds off the conversation because I think sometimes it is easy, kind of feels like you spend so much time with someone and then you don't really know what, how to start the conversation off again, like texting or whatever. So I feel like that, that is a good thing. That's something that I should be doing more to my friends because it's nice to people like knowing that they're appreciated. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think. It's important to realise that and then act on it. Okay, next thing. When someone is unapologetically enthusiastic about something, I find that that, that is one of my favourite character traits in someone because it shows that they are confident in themselves and that they, they really don't care about whether or not you like it or not. They're going to tell you about it with so much enthusiasm and the thing that makes this even better is when you are that person, when someone listens with genuine interest... You could tell me about anything and I might find it really boring. I might not, I might not be interested in the mechanics of car washes. But if you're interested in it, then I'm going to be interested in it because I want to know why you're interested in it. I want to know what you find cool about it. And I think this is the thing, the things you can do to make yourself more attractive as a person. It's all about being more genuine. Realising that their interests don't have to be exactly aligned to yours, but there's probably some commonalities there. There's something in common you're going to have. And if you don't have it in common in terms of the actual interest, find the fact that they have interests interesting, you know? I think it's important when someone's telling you something to make them feel like that. That means that they think that's a safe space to discuss something that means a lot. Like, you should feel, in a weird way, not honoured, but, like, honoured that they want to they wanna talk to you about something that means a lot to them. They won't do this with everyone. They don't do this with everyone, but they're doing it with you. And I think that's... Like, when someone does that with me, I really like it because I'm like, you have chosen to talk to me about something that you really like and that you're really interested in. And it's really nice to see. Again, on the flip side of this, the people who never make people feel embarrassed for being interested in something. There is nothing I hate more than people who, when you're enthusiastic about something, when you're energetic about something, when you're kind of just a bit like, ah, excited... And people make you feel a bit shit about it. There is nothing 
that makes you feel worse about it. And I think people forget like the impact that harsh words can have. Things people have said to me have stuck with me for so long and there's nothing I hate more than the people that when someone's enthusiastic about something, then they just try and quash, like squash those, that joy. Think what's the need? Just because you're interested in it doesn't mean that it's boring. That really makes me like, you know, when you're telling someone, and everyone's like, well, that's a really boring story. That's not a nice thing to say. Just because you found it boring doesn't mean that they found it boring. So that's, that's the thing that I want you all to avoid rapidly. I know we said only attractive traits, traits, but another thing that I find really unattractive in people is when someone's embarrassed about something and they point it out, which I'm now realising is actually just mean. Like, when I'm embarrassed about something and someone makes fun of me for being embarrassed about it in a group full of people, I actually want the ground to swallow me up. So let's, let's not be doing that now. Thank you, everyone. Just, let's just save us all that painful embarrassment. We don't need that. And finally, final, my final thing that I love in a person. I love this in a person. When someone takes the time to answer questions honestly and they don't they don't just flip over things. So when I ask them, are you okay? And they're like, take a breath. And they say, like, yeah, you know what? I am okay. Things are good at the moment. I'm enjoying this, but I'm finding this hard. Or blah, 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 blah. I think it's honesty. I think a lot of these things that I'm speaking about make me realise how important it is to just be a genuine and honest person. And I think then, even if you don't get on with someone in terms of their character or whatever, you can always like someone. Like, I'm not saying that you're going to get on perfectly well with everyone if you do all of these things, but I think all of these things show me that you as a person are a good person. Like, the core of you is good. And we might have differences in how we act, we might not get along really well, or anything like that. Like, we might not fit, but the core of you is good, and I can appreciate that. And all of these signs show me that you are a genuine and honest person. And when I look at all of my friends, they all do these different things, they all have these different types of traits, they all have these things that make me feel happy to be around them and I think it's really important to get clear on what your traits are as a person what do you need people to have because then you can start asking yourself whether those people are surrounding you because if they're important to you if you want to know about them if you want them to be in your life if these traits are things that you want to surround yourself with but you're not surrounding yourself with then you think you should ask yourself why what is it why don't you think you surround yourself? Like you say you want people to make you feel comfortable and you don't want people to make you ever... Like you want to be unapologetically yourself. I love it when people are unapologetically themselves and they're just weird and it's funny and like... Because we're all big weirdos. Like I'm sorry, everyone is. And I love it when that happens. But when people just surround themselves with people who aren't genuine, who are just fake, who are just really like act so normal, like there's no way you're actually like that. Do you know what I mean? It's an act. Just be yourself but you surround yourself with people who aren't themselves, then you can't be yourself. And this is why I think it's really important to get clear on what you think an important, like what you think a good person is. What are the traits that you think make someone a really great person? Then ask yourself, are you surrounding yourself with those people? Because if you're not surrounding yourself with those people, then I would wonder why. Like, why? And I think I start making a really conscious effort to start. But anyway, onto the question weeks for the onto the questions for this week's podcast. Oh, little side note: if you don't already subscribe to the podcast, follow me on Instagram or TikTok, then please do because these are the metrics that I show to brands when they want to work with me, and it massively helps me out. So I would really appreciate it if you could just press the subscribe and give me a little rate or review. But anyway, onto the questions for this week's podcast. <laughs> Okay, so onto the questions for this week's podcast because I've realised I've got 10 minutes to get to my lecture. So here we go. Okay, thoughts on confidence and attractive comes from within but then makes you visually attractive. I definitely get this. 
Confidence is an attractive trait because you're unapologetically yourself and you're confident within yourself and it shows that you're a genuine person, like you're honest because you don't have anything to hide. And I think this all comes back to that needing to be a core good person. When you're confident in yourself, I know who you are. I know you're not hiding anything. And I think that makes you instantly more attractive. It makes me want to be around you because I know what I'm getting. Like what you see is what you get. And I know that I'm getting that when I see you when you're confident because that like you're not hiding anything. And I think that is something that's very attractive to be around. So I definitely agree with that. What's your ideal career? I don't know. Sometimes I think, oh, I would love it if the podcast took off. And then I think, oh, I'd love to work in public health. And then I think I'd love to work in science communication. I think ultimately there's these like two sides of my brain, like the really creative side and self-growth and that type of thing. But then also I really like science is really interesting. Like it's really, really interesting. It's really impactful. And I want to do something that makes a big impact. That's always been my thing of like, I want to do something that makes a really big positive impact. And so I think ultimately all of these things will combine together. Something to do with science communication would be like, the dream because I'm having a big impact. I read this book called Factfulness by Hans Rosling and it's a brilliant book and it's about the impact of needing to communicate facts to the general public and the impact of statistics and knowledge and the ways that we impact, the ways that we tell people these knowledge and the way that people access it because of the biases in our head, we don't always access the true meaning of what the facts are telling us. And it made me realise the importance of communication, the importance of explaining things clearly. And that kind of made me want to get more into science communication because it's not accessible to everyone. Science isn't accessible to everyone. The papers that I read aren't accessible to everyone, which means that this knowledge, even though it's not limited by language, it's limited by word choice. It means that not everyone has access to it. And I understand that everyone needs to specialise, but... And I know I wouldn't understand like a physics paper or a chemistry paper, but I think it's really important that people in those areas take time to make this information accessible to everyone so that it doesn't feel such a limited kind of a world. Like, I feel like the science world feels like very, there's like a selection of people who are in it. And it's the same with the music world and everything. Like, I understand that we all have differences, but I think it's important to take the time to make these things accessible. And so I think something in that would be my ideal career. What's your relationship with change? terrible I hate change but it's good for me and I know it's good for me and I recognize that it's good for me so I often force myself into situations that I don't really want to be in because I know I need to experience it so I think my relationship with change is getting better but I find it really hard and I find it really daunting and just tricky in general so it is getting better my relationship with change is improving and I am recognizing the positive impact that it can have but I find it really hard and I think that's okay, because I know eventually the wave will pass. It's hard in the moment, but it does get better. And I think that's something that the more I experience change, the more I'm realising that it does, it does get better. How do you try to add mindfulness to your everyday life? The way I try to add mindfulness to my everyday life is... Hmm, I try and take more time doing the everyday routine... I make sure I breathe, I make sure I'm present when I'm doing things, I try and not do too much multitasking, I do do a lot of multitasking, but I try and, when I'm doing something like the gym for example, I try and not go on Instagram on my phone, which doesn't always work, like it doesn't always work, but sometimes it does, and I think doing things like that, making myself more present in my everyday, has made me more mindful day to day, because I'm less thinking about everything else that's going on in my life, I'm less thinking about everything I have to do, and that's been important. Okay, I'm just going to go to the request because one of you guys sent me a good question and, um, but it's a bit of a long one. So here we go. 
Do you have any tips for dealing with family pressure? I'm the youngest in a family of five where everyone has gone to university. Both my parents are slash were lawyers and it's all very traditional and quite strict. I found myself in the end of the first year of uni really unsure whether this is something I want to do with my life because I have lots of interests elsewhere. But I have no idea where to say that in a family that I would... I have no idea how to say that in a family where the expectation was always that I would just go to uni and progress in the same way. Any tips would be super helpful. Okay, first things first, this is your life that you are living. This is your life. Ultimately, you have to make decisions that make you happy. And I'm not saying you should like not listen to your family and that your families don't, like, I'm not saying anything like that, but I mean that this is your life. And you need to make sure that your life is making you happy. Your life's job isn't to make them proud. It's to make yourself happy. It's a bonus if you can make them proud, but it's not your sole role and it is not your responsibility. Okay? They will be proud of you regardless of what you have. I think the first steps in having these types of conversations, when it is a traditional family dynamic, and I don't know how close they are, so obviously this advice, like, take it with a pinch of salt. I don't know your family dynamic. But what I would do in this situation is I think it's really important to talk openly and honestly. I think these types of discussions are important to have and they might not like the outcome of it. You might be saying that, you know what, I'm really not enjoying university and I really don't think it's for me. First off, I would probably book an appointment with my careers advisor at university. That would be my first tip. You need to go into that conversation with a lot of knowledge about what your plan is because they're going to not want you to do it. And so you need to have a plan. Otherwise, they're going to like beat you to it. You know, they're going to say, "Okay, you have no plan. You can't do it. Just stick with what you're at. So make sure that you're prepared. Be very, very prepared. The thing is, you have time on your side. You have time to get prepared. So visit your career office. Have an appointment. Every uni offers one. Have an appointment. Work out what your plan of action is if you do drop out. What are you going to do? How are you going to make it work? Are you going to move back home? Where are you going to get a job? Are there jobs you can apply for? Have a plan that is foolproof. And even if you don't go through with it, it shows that you're actually committed. And I think when you're having this conversation, it's important to show that you are actually like, you're serious about it. It's not just a fleeting thought. Because so many people think about dropping out of university. And I think this is the thing. It's it's one of those things that so many people consider and by having an actual plan of what you're doing, it makes it so much more like, oh, you're really thinking about it. Like, you're really, really thinking about it. And so this is what I would recommend. Book a careers appointment, get your plan together. And then when you have that conversation with them, because I think it is important to discuss these things. It's your life. It's not their life. You know, if you, if you want to drop out, if you are unhappy, then you can. You don't need their permission for you to do it. I think... It's important, though, to have this conversation, to discuss this with people, to make sure that you're kind of including people in the story. You're including people in the decision, because even though it is your decision, they care about you and they love you and you don't want it to form a wedge between you and them. And I'm sure if they realise that you're unhappy, they won't want you to carry on with something that makes you unhappy. And I think that's important. So my biggest step would be make sure that you have a plan, work out your plan before you talk through these things and then then you can then you can have a proper discussion ready to discuss these things with people with your parents i mean okay how are you doing mentally i'm doing good i have a lot on at the moment and i am a little bit overwhelmed with it all but this period of my life was always going to be overwhelming because you're finishing uni whilst also applying for jobs whilst also managing the podcast whilst also like my own I like trying to manage my own relationships and my friendships and myself and there is a lot going on but I am doing okay and 
I'm taking a lot more proactive measures to make my mental health better and be much more proactive in managing it. And I think that's really, that's really helped me out. Okay. What's the stupidest thing you thought as a kid, the most embarrassing thing you've done? Okay, we're going to end on this one. I thought I had a pet hippo. I thought I had a pet hippo when I was younger and I told people about it and it was... I think it's one of the things that still makes me cringe to this day. So mum and dad, I have memories of this hippo because they told me in our old house that there was a hippo in the back garden and that we used to feed it and that it was our pet. I have memories of this. I have imagined this so many times. I have physical memories of feeding the hippo with the fish and it sat in this little grate and that's where we'd have it. And now I'm just... Obviously that never happened. I fully invented that scenario. And so I then... We were on this like big family holiday and we had some friends staying with us and we were talking about what pets we'd have and I was 12. I was quite old. I was really quite old. And I was like, we had a hippo. And the guy looked at me and he was like, you had a hippo? I was like, yeah. I had a hippo when I was a kid. Left it in the back garden. Used to, sit, used to sleep there, stay there. It was great. And he just looked at me and was like, there's no way you had a hippo. There was no way. And I... I was determined that I did. And then I went up to my... And I was like, look, let me go ask my dad, because I definitely had a hippo. And he looked at me and he was like, what are you on about? So we had a hippo, didn't we? And he's like, no, where have you got that idea from? And then I was so determined. I was like, yes, we did, yes, we did, yes, we did. And he was like, okay, we did, but, like, we didn't. And it turns out they don't even remember it being a big thing. They don't remember us talking about it that much. But my brain has clung on to the fact that I remember us having a hippo. So most embarrassing thing I've ever done as a child is tell everyone that I had a pet hippo when that is not humanly possible. So we will end on that for the question times for this week. But anyway, on to the new things I've done this week. So on to the new things I've done this week. And I think the new things I've done this week is tested whether the things I do every day for like my mental health actually matter. And I have found out they do, which is, you know, a good, it's a good revelation. It's a good revelation to find out that I do actually need to journal and I do actually need to like write down my thoughts and I do need to meditate and I do need to work out because this week it's kind of just all gone by, by the wayside. I haven't really done any of it, to be honest, because I've been busy. My boyfriend's been here and I've been wanting to spend time with him. And I think there is also a fine line from although these routines are really important, not letting them dominate everything so then you can't enjoy other things because sometimes when I do all of these different things, they end up missing out on other things. But it was good to know that I do actually need to do those things and so (laughs) I'll be implementing them shortly. But other things I've done, we watched, okay, we watched the Ed Sheeran documentary. It was actually quite good. It was quite sad, I'm not gonna lie. Like a lot of it was focused on everything that he'd lost and that was quite sad. Um, but it was interesting and like I did find it interesting and then last night we watched Cruella which I don't know if any of you guys have watched I've watched it twice now it got really bad reviews but I actually quite like it I think it's quite a good film I feel like it does go on for ages it's like two and a half hours long but I like it and I feel like I didn't guess the ending and I also like the focus on like the fashion houses and being in um, Liberties like I just think it's like a quite a cool film so if you wanted to watch something like quite like a good but easy-ish watch then I would say Cruella is Cruella is your one other new things that I've done this week is I've started reading a new book called The Girls and I thought it was going to be a really lovely book and I'm now realising it's about cult and I don't like reading scary books but so far I'm quite invested like the way it's written, the storyline, the narrative voice, I'm really, I'm really invested. I feel like she's very, 
it's it's very well written so I'm only on page like 50 at the moment so I really don't know that much but it's kind of I'm so far about like the girl's like demising into this cult and how she's like getting introduced to it and stuff and it's quite exciting so I'm going to carry on reading it even though I never read scary books because I feel like I want to give this one a chance but anyway thank you for listening to this week's podcast if you haven't already make sure you're following me on instagram at you've got mail and at you've got mail underscore pod at that's on instagram and on tiktok actually and thank you for being here it honestly makes my day that you've all listened I hope you're having a lovely lovely week and I hope you're doing something nice for yourself this week make sure you take your out for coffee take yourself out for dinner just do something that's just for you i love you loads and i can't wait to meet you next week bye